We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. We are recording this on Thursday, November 21st. The Timberwolves' last game was Wednesday night, the second of a back-to-back games against the Utah Jazz where they won in Utah on Monday impressively and then uh, were edged out 103-95 at home to that same Jazz team on Wednesday. Charlie, I, I love... I love when that happens in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because I've been following this team for a long time and they haven't had many playoff series. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but I love that. It's the, the chess match of it and and the adjustments of, of seeing what worked one game or seeing what the opponent did against you that worked well one game and how you're going to adjust to that for the next game. And it was fascinating because you have Carl Anthony Towns and you have Rudy Gobert who are on their side of the ball, their respective side of the ball, are the best. Mm-hmm. I think I believe Cat's the best center offensively in the league, and I believe Rudy Gobert is the best defensive center. And, and to see those two guys go at each other and for Cat to completely take Gobert out of his element on Monday by pulling him out to the perimeter, taking 15 threes, making seven of them, and totally changed the kind of whole equation on that side of the floor I thought was was a fascinating win for Cat. And then on Wednesday, you go to Cat's house, and Gobert goes, well, I'm pretty damn good too. Yeah. I'm the best defensive center in the league, and I'm going to adjust. And he played, we'll get into it more, but he played way further. They, they had a whole list of adjustments that they made, but namely taking Cat out of the game by putting pressure on him, by Gobert putting pressure on him on the perimeter. And while simultaneously erasing shots at the rim, I thought it was 
both games I thought were beautifully executed by those two elite centers and um, we're just in a really interesting place in today's NBA when it comes to big men yeah. who can do so many different things and those two are the perfect example for me. I agree. I mean, it was really cool to see both of them like win a game based off of their awesome skills on either side of the ball. Like Cat going seven for 15, shooting those threes over Rudy Gobert to, to put that game away. It was cool and it was like, Wow, you know, offense can be defense. But then the very next game, and I agree with you, it's super fun to play coach during those two two days in between games. But then to just see Rudy Gobert come out and go, I'm the best defensive center and I can win us one of those games too. It was just really cool to see both of those two get like have their night and how that looked. So entering the Wolves game on Wednesday, the second of the back-to-back, how did you think Utah was going to handle that challenge of cat on the perimeter i generally thought they would do what they did at the end of the first game and just put someone else on cat because you want to have rudy gobert as close to the paint as possible and then they did the opposite so that's what i was thinking too which it just seemed it it was like seemed logical like almost obvious like they did it at the end of the game it worked a little bit like it just and the idea right is to put gobert on a Mm non-shooter and it's the old I think it was kind of popularized in that Golden State Memphis series a couple of years ago where the, the Warriors put Bogut on Tony Allen mm-hmm. because then Bogut could just kind of hang out around the rim. He didn't have to worry about the shooting presence there. So transitive property, you do that with Gobert onto Trevion Graham. Yep. And and then he's there to you know defend the lane because mm-hmm. the Wolves were punishing, not just Cat on the perimeter, was punishing Gobert on the perimeter, but they were getting to the lane, getting to the rim. Jeff T got a really good game on Monday because he, there was no center back there to to defend him at yep. the rim. And so, yeah, I was thinking that kind of makes sense. At least I think they'll try that, you know, from time to time. But I I went to I went to Jazz shoot around on Wednesday morning, and we we get it talk to Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. and I heard him talk, and I was like, oh shit, they're not doing anything different. He was, you could tell from the way he was, no, like this is my, I'm the best defensive center in the league. I can handle the best offensive center in the league. We Mm -hmm. need to make some changes on the margin. So this is what he said. He was asked, did anything stick out from what Cat was able to do in the second half? And Gobert just goes, he just kind of like paused for a while and he was like, he made some shots. I mean, he made the most shots he's ever made. Paused again. It was the most shots he's ever made in his career. We just got to keep doing what we do. The most three-point shots. Yeah, but that, that's but that's what he said. Bitterman table for one. <laughs> I, that's, I was like, I was sitting there, I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, did you see, this is a tangent, but did you see Rudy Gobert post on Twitter after the game? Mm-mm. He, he said, like, on to the next one. I, I, I might be a little bit wrong on this, with, like, the lock emoji. Mm-hmm. And there was one picture of himself and then another picture of himself, like, sh- putting up a floater while Cat was, like, falling onto the ground. And it just made me go, you know, Rudy Gobert's got a little FOMO on all all this like <laughs> cat and bead stuff. Like, you know, I'm one of the best centers, which he is. He he's is. probably the fourth best center in the league. But he's like, I'm one of the best centers in the league. Like I can get in on this trash talk. Like I'm better than cat. Oh, he just made shots. Well, it's so now we're, we're 15 games into the season and the wolves have played Joel and bead mm-hmm. fight. <laughs> yep. That blew up. Um, they lost to Nikola Jokic in overtime at, at target center. And I just, can still picture what Cat looked like walking off the floor there. And he's someone who's normally, I think, so 
conscientious of the way he's being perceived at all times when he's on the court, but he was just genuinely pissed yeah. to have lost that game and like exasperated as he's walking off the floor with a, just a, Ugh, like out yeah, loud. And, yeah. I, and which I get, you know, cause that's, you already lost to Embiid. You just lost to Jokic again. Mm-hmm. And, and then now we, they've had two more games against Rudy Gobert, the other best center in the league. And he, he did get the one win um, on Monday, but he's one in three versus those guys. And as you and I have talked about a million times, it's, it's very important for Cat to beat those players, yeah. to be viewed as better than them, or, or whether it's being viewed or whatever it might be. He believes, yeah, he believes he's better than those guys. And doesn't that suck though? Their teams are, it's not even like, fair. it's not even fair. I mean, you just look at that jazz team last night and you're like, can you imagine Bogdanovich and Conley and Mitchell and Ingles around towns? Like, oh my God, they'd be 19 of 44 instead of seven of 44 from three every night. Like, it's just not fair. It's yeah, it's it's very apples to oranges. But I I do agree with you. Like one and three, like that's you know, if you're just like piling up ego points, that's too bad. You'd rather be better than that, obviously. We're we're gonna talk later in the on the show about uh the Wolves and the play the Phoenix Suns on Saturday. And I think just because we have a little bit of time here before that game to to talk about maybe how the Wolves will match up specifically in that matchup against the Suns, but also Right now, the seventh and eighth seeds in the West are yeah. the Suns and the Wolves, I guess. <laughs> you know, that's, just, <laughs> that's what's happening. So who knows if that's what it'll be 50 games from now. But at the moment, there's kind of six teams at the top of, of the West that feel relatively locked in in L.A., L.A., Denver, Houston, Utah, and Dallas. Mm-hmm. And then the seventh and eighth seeds are the, the Suns and the Wolves. So I think there's, just, there's, there's two spots there for someone to take. And I think at most it's going to be one of the Wolves or the Suns. So I think that's interesting there. But we, we watched, we went back and watched the Suns' last game against the Sacramento Kings. And in that game, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, yeah. the, the Kings Bogdanovich, I think he had four or five threes in the second quarter. And I'm watching this shortly after having uh, watched the Wolves lose that last game to the Jazz where they just couldn't make a shot. And Bojan Bogdanovic <laughs> was making all like those. Four threes. And that's just what I, I, I thought about. I was like, oh my God, if it was Buddy Heald oh. and Bogdan Bogdanovich surrounding Cat rather than Trevion Graham and Jarrett Culver, I, 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 I don't even think <laughs> it would be such a meaningful difference. It would, it would look so different. I mean... You were talking about how Rudy Gobert could could just ha- could have just guarded Trevion Graham so as to kind of play that free safety role and roam the paint. They could have put him on any one of the other four players. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Wiggins can kind of shoot. Yeah, Jeff Teague can kind of shoot. But like, if 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 you're picking your poison, you're happy leaving those three to shoot twelve three pointers. Yeah, if, particularly if you can still kind of rotate for a light contest exactly. or something. Like you're yeah. not just totally leaving them. Oh, yeah. you're probably not gonna leave. Wiggins wide open, but you can still kind of get out there to contest. And that's what we saw Utah yep. sort of do where they not only in the second game, they not only stuck with Gobert on, on Towns, but they doubled Towns. Yeah. And I mean, that's why Cat only got 10 shots, like four of which came in the last couple of minutes. What is Cat supposed to do on the block when his primary defender is Rudy Gobert? That's who he has his back to. And then he's having the top side guy come down, whether that's I mean, often Royce O'Neal, who's a very mm-hmm. good defender. What do you do if you're Cat there? 
And everyone else is sagging into the lanes because they're just trying to get a steal. Like, okay, if you get it over my head to that guy, I'll let him take the shot. I mean, Robert Covington is the only other guy who you have to defend. And even he's no Buddy Heald. He's no Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a solid shooter. He's not a great shooter. I Totally. So so Cat has to kick out, and we saw time and again, you know, a kick out to Jarrett Culver. And it's that's just not a great look. Or Josh Okogie, whatever it may be. And then sometimes... On, on a couple of possessions, Cat didn't even kick out to the guy right on his wing. He he kind of skipped it up top to Wiggins. Yep. And now Wiggins has the ball, and he's in an isolation situation. And what the Jazz do are like, okay, we're well, just gonna bring a second guy on him too. Mm-hmm. So now Royce O'Neal is on Wiggins, and and then Donovan Mitchell's just playing free safety. So as soon as Wiggins starts getting anywhere near the nail, Mitchell comes over. How is like quote unquote downhill Wiggins? What is he supposed? He can't get all the way to the rim. He can't get through two guys at sixteen feet. So now Wiggins has the option of, well, I guess we're still here. Well, I got to kick it to Trevion Graham or yeah, or Josh Okogie. Yep. I mean, it is. This was the the clearest game that I I thought exposed the absolute starvation that the Wolves have for shooting. Yeah. On the wing, and there's been previous losses. That Denver game when they lost to Jokic, they made 13 percent of 45 threes. I think those were the numbers on that. But I think the books getting out on mm-hmm. this group of like. If you can, if you can pl- face guard Cat on the perimeter, so he can't just get up threes, and if you can double him in the post, you've kind of nullified his top two offensive options. It's not like he can't do anything, mm-hmm. but you've, you've you've muted that. And then if you can also bring a second defender at Wiggins, he can't just get to the rim at yeah. will. Yeah, it's just, just too many people in the way. Yeah, and not many guys can can face guard Cat to the. To the level you'd need to to inhibit his three point shooting, but also have the foot speed to not have yes. him go by them every time. So, like the Jazz are the kind of the right bunch to match up with. This well, they're a great group. defensive. They're a team. great defensive yeah. team, but like not everybody can do that. But totally, I mean, you can do it to an extent. And it'll be the I know the the contrary to that, or the other side of the coin will be Phoenix on on Saturday where. They're going to have to put Frank Kaminsky or because uh, you're Dario assuming Sarge. Aaron Baines will still be out. Assuming Aaron Baines is still out in that yep. game, so now when Cat's up top, and if if Frank Kaminsky is trying to face guard him, now Cat's either just going to take take shoot the shot over him, or he Kaminsky doesn't have the foot speed, so Cat can just do. Then he can get his pump and go game yep. to start attacking the rim. So there's more options there, but that that's kind of what that's kind of what Gobert does is he's just that wall mm-hmm. where he's. Whether it's on the block or whether it's on the perimeter, he's in the way, and in, in is nimble enough to catch. Just can't really get a step on him as well as you can most other guys. Then at a double team, all Cat can do is kick. Mm-hmm. And if who he's kicking to is Trevion Graham, Josh Kogi, Jared Culver, whew. yeah. Well, it, it really does bring your mind to the system versus personnel stuff, and we were talking about it. Drink. Just <laughs> <laughs> well, true, and it's going to be all year. But like, it does. Every night is another example of it because it just gets frustrating. There are no shooters on this team, and I really want to see what it's going to look like when there are some shooters. Well, it's going to take at least a year, <laughs> probably a couple. Yeah, I mean, we were we were just talking about this before, and. Largely, the Wolves have played 15 games this year. They've dealt with a whole bunch of crap, and they've vastly exceeded expectations. They're eight and seven. They're a winning team still, you know. So, so they've they've played well. I do think that in the ebbs and flows of the season, with you know a even uncharacteristic, 
uncharacteristically cold shooting stretch for them that they could go 4-11 and 11 over some 15-game stretch of the middle of the year, something like that. Mm-hmm. And what is that going to look like? What is that going to feel like? How is that going to mentally impact everyone on the team when in those 15 games, most of them, you've been shooting 40-plus threes and you just haven't been making 30% of them? I mean, that is that is the crossroads that I feel is is inevitable with this team and is the, I don't know, the ignition point of this system versus personnel thing is really a pill, you know? And at the same time, there's going to be, there's going to be the other games where it's guys are knocking down threes. I mean, the night after that Denver game where they made 13% of them, they made eight of the 10 threes in the first quarter against Detroit. And you're like, all right, system seems to fit the personnel. Okay. (laughs) You know, but it's, there, I think there's, you could, if you wanted to look at it on the other side of it and have some confidence, even though this is a team full of pretty bad three-point shooters, there are still numbers out there that suggest that they're underperforming what they should be based on like the wide open threes they're getting. I mean, based on, look, Shabazz Napier shouldn't be at like 23% from three. Robert Covington's three-point percentage should come up. Like Noah Vonley at some point this year might start hitting threes. Like there can be some more to come. And I would even say Trevor. I mean, I know Trevor Graham has been this like, ooh, when he's shooting them. But like at the same time, I don't think, I think he's a poor shooter. I don't think he's a 15% three-point shooter. Yeah. You know, and so if he can have a, a warmer stretch at some point along the line, it it, it can, yeah, it, it'll it'll balance back out. And I think it's bringing up Shabazz Napier, like having him back and having Jake Lehman eventually back and being able to not have to play two non-shooters at one point. Mm-hmm. Like they're, right now they're being forced to playing two of Kogi, Culver, and Graham frequently. Yeah. You just have to. There's not enough bodies. Yeah. You know, and if they can get it to where they only have one really minus shooter, if we're considering those three really minus shooters, I think that'll make a difference. I think we will see more of the Napier and Teague together lineups because this team just does need the, the shooting and the shot creation that both of them have. I mean, outside of... Outside of Cat and Wiggins, the third and fourth best shot creators are Teague and Napier. Yeah, I think so. And that is another way to, if your team is punishing Cat, or not punishing, face guarding him on the perimeter, then that penetration should be there. That, mm-hmm. It was there on Monday. I mean, for as bad as Teague played on Wednesday, he got to the bucket at will and only had one guy who he had to, who he had to check in that, or to get by. Yeah. And, and then it's, and Teague can do that. Yep. If he is you know, being assertive and seeing that window there, like he's fine at that. Mm-hmm. Um, this team, as starved as they are for three-point shooting, they're also pretty hungry for uh, an additional creator, I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, there are a l- plenty of flaws to this team, and the more we talk about it, the more I just kind of start thinking, well, they've had a lot working against them this year. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really started to add up. Now you go, wow, Jake Lehman's out, and it seems like he's going to be out for – Call it at least like a week. I mean, yeah. Just so re- just to, not lines. to cut you off. But, no, yeah. But but Ryan alluded today at practice that it's it is kind of like turf toe. I mean, you leave a game in a boot. Like, don't tell me your day to day. Yeah. Well, in the Ryan Saunders era, the day to day demarcations have not been day to day. I mean, which that's gonna. There, is the NBA gonna make that a rule at some point? Once I don't they, know. I mean, like I'm not even ripping on them if. 
like if they don't have to say something else, yeah, I mean, then sure. they don't have to say something else. Like, yeah, but Jake's for sure not playing against Phoenix on on Saturday, and it's turf toe. And I hate when people do this, but like that that's my for me personally when I was playing basketball, those are the only those are like my most serious injuries. I had a turf toe multiple times, and it is absolutely terrible for basketball because you re-injure your foot every single time you step on someone else's foot, yep. which happens all the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's the flexing of your big toe. Yeah. So it's it's something that is extremely painful and really easy to re-injure. And I think this team, just in general, with injuries is going to be super cautious yeah. as they have been with Shabazz Napier, yep. as they have been with Jake Lehman. And I, I mean, mean the, the, the Lehman point of he's going to make our offense go that Rose has had you know, back in the summer, that mm-hmm. seems so true. Yeah. I was just thinking that during the game last night, I was like, they got nothing going offensively. Yep. Particularly when Wiggins and Cat were in foul trouble, there's no creators. Well, <laughs> kind of a hack there is to just play fast and go. But when it's Keelan Martin instead of Jake Lehman, I mean, that is a completely different archetype yeah. of of player. And that really, I mean, it slowed them down. Yeah. I think they, they've they just, they've played, they're going to continue to play slower and not get as many as those cheap transition buckets yeah. when Jake's out. Yeah. And it's not just been Jake. I mean, it's been Jake Shabazz are the only, really the only players who haven't missed time, Covington, Trevion Graham, Okogi, Culver, and Well, Okogi missed, missed the game. That's right. And now, and he's on like a minutes limit right now too. That's right. And That's Noah and Gorgie as well, but like all the key players, like <laughs> the most important players except for Robert Covington and I guess Trevion Graham have all missed time and we're 15 games into the season, like, I'm excited to see a, a healthy rotation. Yeah, but, I, don't, I mean, does that, maybe that's just kind of the NBA season where you don't really have everyone together. I mean, it's got to be better than what it has been. Yeah. The the game last night was the the fifth time that Wiggins, Cat, and Jeff Teague have all started mm-hmm. together all season, which was the first three games of the year, right, where they were balling, they're 3-0. and all. Yep. The fourth one is the Sixers game which was an implosion. I mean, they were going to lose that game. They did lose that game. It wasn't even really a game. Mm-hmm. And then last night was the fifth. Like they they haven't, with that starting group and with their, I don't know if we call them their three best players, but three starters yeah. have not been starting together because it's just been one after the other. One piece has been, has been taken out. And that's tough to manage, particularly when... I, I don't know. Are the Wolves thin on the bench or are the guys that they just have on their bench very limited to like one thing? Yeah, I think they're just a bunch of like replacement level players where you're like, they have enough replacement level players to bring another one in. But, but do none, you know but, what I mean? Yeah, but it's like those guys can do one thing. Yeah. They yep. can really give you one thing. Like Keelan Martin's kind of the, uh, and he's a two-way guy, so he's probably lower on that replacement level thing. But he's going to bring you shooting and pretty much nothing else. Yeah. When, you know, when he's out there, when that's a 20 plus minute role, you kind of need a little bit more than just a guy who can spot up and and shoot some threes. And he showed a little bit of a floater game. And I mean, he's, he's been good for what he is, but, but the team, those extra role players, they need them to be more than one dimensional. If you want to be a playoff team, if you want to be a playoff team. Yeah. One thing I noticed in this kind of cat slash Wiggins slash Teague out time is a little bit more offensive creation from Covington. Mm-hmm. All year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's noteworthy. I mean, he, that was not, I mean, Philadelphia or even in his brief run with the Wolves last year, he was, 
I mean, he was great, mm-hmm. but all he was giving you was shooting volume yep. and elite defense. Yep. He was, I mean, it was a an adventure whenever he would try and take guys off the dribble last season, yeah. particularly once he would start trying to go right, left, and like kind of swing you a little bit. But this year, he's just been just looking for one step on a guy, and he's kind of slashing to the basket, off the bounce, and yep. like... I think that's an encouraging development. I've heard a lot of people be a little bit underwhelmed by Covington this season that I've talked to, and I I think what that's just a product of is, oh, my God, this guy was so good during the 11 games when he was really healthy at the beginning. Thinking that was, like, average Rocco. No, and that was, like, that was just, like— That was exceptional Rocco. That was an exceptional player, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just, like, he was—everything he was doing, he was doing at an elite level. And that's just not his like median. Mm-mm. And so to see him, yeah, that the the defense hasn't been as impactful. Maybe the shooting hasn't been as meaningful this year. But to add a couple extra things, like a little bit of off the bounce game, particularly when you're in a five out set like that, I think that's how he gives you a little bit of extra value, even if he isn't at his peak form yeah. defensively. And it's funny. I, I wonder where that comes from, if that's a coaching directive or if that's a Robert Covington skill development. Because I remember over the course of the summer, and I'm sorry if I get this wrong, I think Robert Covington was on the Four Seasons podcast, and he was oh, asked, mm-hmm. are you going to, you know, Jimmy Butler's gone, it's a new team, are you going to take on some more offensive creation? And he just pretty honestly and bluntly said, like, no, that's not something I've talked about with the coaches. That's not my plan. I'm, you know, I'm a 3D guy. I know who I am in this league, basically. And so I wonder if it was something that was talked about after the fact or if it's something that Robert Covington has just found the confidence to do all of a sudden or what. Because it's interesting to me that. I asked Ryan about it yesterday at uh, pregame, and, and he was like, I think it's just Robert naturally recognizing that one of our two main guys have been out and okay. just kind of taken it upon himself yeah. to, you know, to, to do a little bit more, which to me wasn't necessarily like, I mean, it's kind of a compliment, but it, it kind of detracts from the idea that it was part of the plan mm-hmm. or that um, it's something to necessarily bank on long-term. I don't think in this system, in the go- ongoing blueprint, if he's here for the next couple of years, I don't think that's what they want Mm-mm. Robert Covington to be. They want to add another secondary creator yeah. onto the team, you know, the whatever that guy might be. Um, and then they want just Covington spotted up around him but, and to be elite defensively. Yeah, but even so, like, it's nice to have your spot up guys, even call it once a game, to be able to take someone off of the dribble and, like, finish through a little bit of traffic. Because, I mean, you think about a team like the Jazz, those guys aren't just spot up shooters. Like, Joe Ingles is a freaking playmaker and like yeah. so is Bogdanovich like all those guys not only are they exceptional shooters but they bring other things to the table too and that just makes you so much more difficult to defend so if Robert Covington even though if he like kind of reverts back into the tertiary role that he should be in like to be able to do that once a game or once in a while is a nice trait you know who's kind of starting to approximate that role and for me has really exceeded my expectations is just this year as a whole is Josh Kogi. oh yeah and oh yeah, his. I mean, we talk about cat leaps and Wiggins leaps this year, and we're focused on those, understandably, because they're the best players on the team. But I mean, I I, I can't say enough good things about the way the additional ways Josh has found to impact the game positively without it necessarily being his jump shot. Yeah, and that's that's what he had to do. Yeah, he had to add to that bag because. 
the that shot is going to be a work in progress over I think you know three four five years for him yep. to get up to you know at best maybe above league average you know I I don't even know he just needs to he needs to be good at these things that he's doing and oh my god I'm Mike Conley oh my. I mean in I, transition oh <laughs> I I have I have never seen Mike Conley be convinced to pass a greater volume of times than I did last night. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm done with this. Yeah. He stopped me. He stopped me. I'm passing on. And this is the point guard. Yeah. That's Mike Conley. That's Mike a, Conley. A high caliber point guard who's. And a vet, like a guy who knows the tricks. And Akogi is just, I mean, the, the, the first one where he ran back in transition past Conley, who's pushing the ball. He's leading the break. Conley's leading the break. Akogi runs past him, squares him up, and kills the three-on-two break or whatever it was where the Jazz had an advantage, and he pushes Conley back out to the perimeter. Conley tries to shake him, and then is like, okay, no. Yeah. I mean, that is a – that just takes some nuts to execute yep. by a Kogi. And, and it's just an, – it's, an, it's a meaningful. It is – if they go and get that three-on-two dunk or layup or whatever, I mean, that's more momentum. You mm-hmm. talk about those extra things, and – Okoye takes that and he turns momentum in the other direction. Yeah. Where you stopped that from happening. And then he's also adding in his, the frequency of his interceptions Mm -hmm. and that lead, lead into his own fast breaks. Yep. Plus he's kind of slowing down and finishing a little bit around the rim. It's not complete chaos. It's still a kamikaze, but he's got that drive and dump game. I mean, it's like, it's, I don't know. I mean, I guess Wiggins is the one player on this team who's exceeded my expectations more than anyone else. But Okogi, I mean, and it, it's it's really a great story to me because Garrison Rosas takes over and he is open about wanting to implement a system that highlights wings. That's like you know a point guard if we need it, three wings and cat. And that's what he's going to do. And he trades Dario Saric, who's not a wing. And he drafts Jarrett Culver, who can become like a pseudo point guard wing. And he makes all these all these margin moves over the summer to bring in Trevion Graham and to bring in Jake Lehman. And, you know, all of them have played fine, solid. But the guy who is exceeding expectations, who is starting to look like, you know, he could be a piece, He could, even more so than last year. Because even last year looked like he could be a piece, but now, like, he could be a meaningful piece. He Maybe could be like a, a starter. Like a starter of the next really good Timberwolves team, especially if that jump shot does come along over two, three, four, five years, that he's the one who's kind of molding into that, you know, keeper, maybe, Oh, even more so than a Trevian Graham or a Jake Lehman or a Jarrett Culver is a cool story. I think for two consecutive seasons, there's been an idea of a role for what Josh Okoge is going to be on the team, and his play has demanded more. Yeah. And they've had to adjust and create a bigger void for him to to play in on the wing, and that is that's a testament to his work yeah. and just to his kind of effectiveness. I mean, it's getting Marcus Smarty. Yeah. It. It really is. And, and just do the Marcus Smart. Like four years from now, have a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need yep. to be next year. I mean, that'd be nice, but just let it come along. And, and you know, and even if Trevion Graham isn't going to be a good three-point shooter, which we should definitely assume, and if Akogi is below average himself, still, for all the problems that that might cost, cost them on the offensive end, to be able to go Graham, Akogi, Covington. Oh, my gosh. Around Cat and Wiggins, I mean that is that is a team 
if they're executing defensively, that can be damn good. Yeah, damn like, good. Damn good. Mm-hmm. And what what have you and I been saying for a year? What is what what is it that makes the Timberwolves a truly, you know, a three four seed in the West? What 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 makes that happen? What pushes them good to be defense. a more effective team? It's a, becoming a top ten defense. Yep. And and that would be it would be just such a departure from what we've known them to be the entirety of the Wiggins era and the entirety of the Cat era. Yeah. And you know they got they got to make it so they're not costing themselves too much offensively. But there's the makings of personnel that could be a decent defensive group, but might kind of push down that. Yeah. Offensive floor. We you you've always said I feel like ten is the offensive floor. Yeah, like for, t- for a cat team. or like thirteen at the worst, which is what it was last year. I'll be really surprised if the offense ends the year worse than thirteenth this year. Even I'll, you know, not shocked, but really surprised. Even though there's so much struggle there, but it's cool to think about. Like you just build a team of wings around Carl Anthony mm-hmm. Towns. And, you know, maybe some of them are just defensive stalwarts. Maybe some of them are just Keelan Martins who who are just no. hopefully flamethrowers. But you you can make lineups out of that. And then if a Josh Okogie does flip the switch on the other end of the floor, like he seems to be showing that he could do, then you've really got something. They are, according to Cleaning the Glass, which removes garbage time, they're 15th in offense, 15th in defense, huh. and 15th in night right Really? Now. Yeah. Not which is, bad. Which is 500. That's great. And, and you know, to, to be those things, again, given the roadblocks that have presented themselves all the way, and that, but let's not pretend other teams haven't. Yeah, because that's also, it's interesting to kind of think back and go, we've been watching Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Gorgie Jing, even like Zach Levine, like those guys just never got hurt. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is more of the norm, but I kind of, I'd have to go and look at all the other teams. I have a hard time believing that this isn't a little bit more than typical. No, what I'm talking about is, is injuries wise. Yeah. That's what I mean too. I guess, I don't know. I, I'm more thinking about the teams that are in the Wolves bubble here in the standings, right mm-hmm. in the West, which, you know, at the beginning of the year or just kind of currently now too, where it's, you know, Sacramento, New Orleans and Phoenix, are all in that, you know, scraping with a hope of getting the eighth seed sort of deal. And Sacramento has had a litany of injuries. I mean, Fox yep. and Bagley are both out and have been for have been and will be out for extended periods of time. Yep. Um, New Orleans, it's crazy, yeah. crazy injuries. And and then who's other oh, Fe- even Phoenix, who's they're more they're more like the Wolves where they're just kind of banged up and their guys are missing like two, three games here and there. Yeah. Um so maybe it well, is. Well I guess Aiton is out too. So so no so that's not that's less of a roadblock and more of like a opportunity. I, I hit a fire hydrant. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I don't know. So I guess what I'm kind of wrestling with is the idea of well, what's this team going to look like once everybody's back? Yeah, the other teams in the league are going to have some of that too. It's true. That's a good point. So that just having Shabazz Napier, Jake Lehman back, and Andrew Wiggins not sick or you know grieving or cat out suspended, like that's going to help, but. Other teams are going to get healthy too, and it's just and it's just part is, of the NBA season. Yeah, someone else is going to get hurt as soon as Jake Lehman comes, or whoever comes back. Someone else get hurt. It's just kind of how it goes. So for them to be better than fifteenth in those things, it's going to be about executing better. Yeah, it's not just they're not just going to be gifted a boost because Shabazz Napier's back. Like no, no, that, that's that's not going to do it. They need to. They could be gifted a boost. A boost. If Cat hasn't, you know, because right now Cat's missed, what, like 8% of their games? 
two out of 15. It's like, that's a lot. I mean, I'm, if he doesn't miss that. I don't that, know, man. I, I'm, more, I'm more concerned about finding ways to unleash him. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, am, I mean, I, I think there's, they're putting a book out on, these teams are putting a book out on how to slow him down, limit his touches, limit his shots. Mm-hmm. And now the Wolves have to adjust. The Wolves, that, that's what I'm saying. I think that adjustment is going to be more meaningful than getting guys back healthy mm-hmm. or continuity or whatever that may be. Because even if you have, even if you have your whole group back, if this is, if Cat is being limited like this as he was in the Houston game where he only took 15 shots and had zero assists, or in these last two, both of the Utah games, he shot no free throws. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are, those holes, those need to be rectified. Yeah. And, and those are coaching adjustments. I, that's not just because Shabazz Napier's back. It's going to be better. So they, there's, for me, as you know, the, the reason I believed this team was going to be in the high 30s for wins was because I thought it was Cat was just going to be offensively impactful. Period, mm-hmm. and it was going to he was going to present that offensive floor. And I think I've been kind of proven wrong with that to some extent. Where even though he is playing out on the perimeter more, teams have found ways to limit him there a bit, and they found some ways to limit his impact in the post because there aren't shooters around him. Yeah, so. I think that was kind of wrong. And for, for this team now to be upper 30s or into the 40s or a playoff team, it's it's about getting more out of cap, but it's also you got to find ways to make these other guys weapons. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, there might be something to, like, the Timberwolves seem like they've played all the big teams already. I mean, and there are a lot of big teams, but, like, you've already played Philly. You've already played the Jazz twice. You play the Suns without Aaron Baines next, then the Hawks. You're going to have to play the Spurs, which is, like, a little bit bigger, but not gargantuan. Yeah, they don't they don't play big necessarily. Yeah, and then Grizzlies, which, like, pretty big, not gargantuan. Oh, they're pretty big. Pretty big. Mavericks, not— Weir- Weirdly big. Weirdly big, but not that big. Like, and then Thunder— and then the Lakers, who are big. But, like, I do feel like we can get bogged that's, down. That's maybe less of an issue than yeah. we are, for sure, I had concerns about earlier is what you're saying. Well, I just think you can get bogged down by, like, the Wolves played the Jazz twice in a row. Like, they played Rudy Gobert twice in a row, and, like, that's tough. Like, that's really tough for Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. And if he goes off for 36-14-8 against the Suns tomorrow night. Which I gonna, assume he will. Yeah, then you're just going to be back to being like, yeah, some matchups are hard for him. Like, he's not going <laughs> to totally. be able to put up a, a near triple-double on, like, incredible efficiency every night. Right. Well, there was the—I remember thinking in those first three games of the year when he's just balling. I'm like, yeah. what, what is a bad statistical night going to look like for Cat? Because it just seemed like he had 20 points locked up no yeah. matter what. Well, and that was Nets Hornets heat. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay— that's generally an easy, a couple easier matchups for him. I don't know though, man. I, I think, I, I think there's things that teams can do. Yeah, definitely. But some things that some teams can do them better than others because of their personnel. I, I agree. I agree with that. And the Jazz are a unique situation. But okay, let's talk about Phoenix a little bit. Yeah. So Phoenix, no bigs tomorrow. I mean, Kaminsky, Sarge, Chuck Diallo. That that's it. Those are the big guys that they can they can put on Cat. That on paper screams 40 and 20. Mm-hmm. It just does, given what Cat can do. But what you'll see Phoenix do, so we're going to go zone. Yeah. We're just going to go zone. Yeah. And and you're going to have to do that through two defenders. Mm-hmm. And Or you're going to have to figure out a way to navigate 
a, a pick and roll on two top the two top guys in the zone. I mean, it's gonna be funky. Or hope that your shooters make shots. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But once you get to the once you get to the part of the equation that is hope our shooters make shots. <laughs> that's th- true. That's when Cat isn't getting forty and twenty. Yeah, probably. It, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. I agree with that. Unless they then start to respect those shooters because they have an eight for ten quarter like they did in Detroit, the once in a blue moon sort of thing. Yeah. Like or unless Cat's just on and like he's gonna hit his hook shot over Chuck Diallo. Okay, but what if Cat was on last night? What does on Cat look like last night? But there's no Rudy Gobert on the Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean it's it's Rudy Gobert. But I I know what you mean. Like there's gonna be a a more of a book out on Cat. That's all that's that's my broader point. I don't know. I I just because even even the game where Cat was seven for fifteen Everything else in the lane was still messy, and that was mm-hmm. Gobert. I, I don't know. I I just had this, what I'm now thinking was maybe an irrationally high expectation of what Cat's offensive production was going to be this season. Yeah. And I, I think the shooters are such an issue. Such an issue. That it's going to mute him. Yeah, to some level. Unless no they doubt. find a way to, not unless, they're going to. They have to. You can't. After the Cats had two of his last three games, where he's he had the Houston game and this last Utah game, it will have it will be bad coaching if you let that happen again. Because you know what you can do with Cat, you can run him off a pin down. Yeah, you can you can you can use him in down. sets. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean that has to be that has to be the the reaction to teams putting the book out on him. Yeah. Use him different. Well, they, I mean, they're using him very, very basically. Top of the key and rolling him down on the block. In the fourth quarter last night, they ran a 5-1 pick and roll, didn't they? Where Jeff Teague set a pick on Rudy Gobert, and then Gobert and Conley switched. And so Conley was on Cat, but they couldn't get the ball to Cat right away. It's tough. I mean. <laughs> but the reason for that is because they go, well, clearly this play is going to Cat, so let's go yeah. get the hell away from Jared yeah. Culver and Trevion Graham yeah. and pack in there. I mean. It's 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 tough. You gotta you gotta run more sets yeah. and you gotta execute them well. Yep. But if the, you want Cat to have put up big performances, otherwise they're just gonna double them if you use them in a basic way. Yeah. But even so, imagine I d- imagine the sales pitch to a shooter where you're like, think if you <laughs> if you can play around Carl Anthony Towns instead of Trevion Graham, or even to a a creator where it's like, look at the strides that Josh Okogie and Andrew Wiggins made because Carl Anthony Towns is standing on the perimeter all game. Like, imagine if that was you. What could you do? I think Jeff Teague is approximately sixty percent of what he was when he was an All Star mm-hmm. in Atlanta, just from a skill standpoint. Because he was really good back then. I don't think he's bad, but I still think he's 60% of it. I think Jeff Teague will have his best true shooting, his his most effective shooting season of his career this year. And that will be a product of the looks are going to be so dang clean. Yeah, so will Andrew Wiggins. And so will Andrew Wiggins. It's yeah. There are the positive externalities of the of defending Cat in, in that way. Yeah. Positive externalities for the Wolves, but at what cost? Totally. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just having watched these last four or five games of, man, it hasn't looked that hard to take Cat out of it. No? Not At yet. least in a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when Rudy Gobert's there. I'm excited. That, to that's see a good point. Games. No, you, you've, you've, talked me, you've talked me off <laughs> a little bit. Um, okay. Do you, do you think Ricky Rubio is going to play? So he is, well, we're recording this right now, and he plays in an hour and he's a game time decision in their game against the Pelicans. It's back spasms. 
Because I, I saw he only played 16 minutes. So he played the first half. He played the first half yeah. of their game and then didn't play it all in the second half um, of their, their game on Tuesday. I would assume he would play. And I, I didn't realize this just because I watched the Suns, but I hadn't like, just looked at their stats. He's averaging 14, 6, and 9. Yeah. What? I, I'm career Rubio. shooting. Yeah. I mean, when when he's played, he's been super meaningful. Super meaningful. But if he... I, I think the, the Wolves have this little pocket here mm-hmm. before December is hell schedule-wise. Yeah, hell. Like mid to late December, uh, the two four-game road trips, and even when they're home, they're playing like the Jazz and the Clippers. Like it's it's tough. But they have this little pocket here of Suns at Atlanta, at San Antonio, home from Memphis. Mm-hmm. Those are four winnable games. Yep. And and I think the Wolves got to take, take care of business there because they're going to lose – more than half of the rest of those yeah those December games and and I think specifically to this Phoenix game if there's no Baines if Rubio it whether he plays or not even if he does plays I'm assuming he's not going to be the 14 six and nine he was before the back spasms like this is a game where you just just wipe them totally I to- if if Baines and Rubio are both out it takes out so much of the legitimacy and the professionalism of that team that has help them take this jump. I also think to your point about them being cuz they're like adults. Cuz they're like adults. Yeah. yeah. Um to to the point of the Wolves being the Wolves and Suns being the 7th and 8th seeds in the West right now, it's so critical if you want to be the upstart surprise playoff team. If you want to be it doesn't matter if it's a surprise. If you want to be a, a bottom or like a 6 7 8 seed in the playoffs and just sneak in, you have to beat those teams around you. Yes. I remember 2 years ago, the Timberwolves are the 8th seed. Ugh. They were I mean against the Pelicans, Blazers, Thunder, like those teams right around them, they were something stupid like 14 and 2. Like I, I remember am, that because like, they had all the tiebreakers against it was everyone. Wild, and that's why they made the playoffs. But the reason they dropped down to eight from three was because they were dumping games. Remember they lost in yep. Atlanta, where yep. T got that terrible inbound pass. Yep. They they no, lost no. they lost the in Orlando game. the uh, the Bielitsa Flalo headlock game. Yeah, yeah. I mean they lost a bunch of stupid games to bad road teams. That's true. That's true. So that's the that's the yin and yang. That's <laughs> the yin and yang of it. And what those what the Tibbs teams had. For one reason or another, they took care of business at home. Yep. All the time. Yep. And particularly that season. This Wolves team is not doing that. I I never really... There's no home court advantage at Target Center. Man, I'm telling you, dude. Yeah, were, I was... Were, were you at the, the Rockets game? Yep. That there was a home court advantage there. Some, yeah, a little bit more. Well, there were people there. there. Yeah, the only home court advantage is when Robert Covington decides to create a little bit of one because he's the only he pumps up the crowd a ton, ton. And he's the it's only actually one really weird. Does. It's actually I'm like, wow, that worked. Right? You should just flap your arms the whole time. I, he should because <laughs> the crowd reacts to it. And I mean, imagine how much the crowd would react if Towns did it. I mean, if a listener, if you haven't been to a Wolves game this year, most of them nobody is at. It's ten bucks. Go sit in the corner. You can sneak down to the. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's whatever. I don't. I'm not here selling tickets for them. No, it just it just sticks out. And and I don't know. I, I watch games on League Pass all the time, and I see yeah sparse crowds there too. But that that stuck out for me. And maybe I mean I haven't been covering this team that long. I was you know there saw some legit crowds, eighteen sellouts that the Tibbs playoff year. Yeah, but this team is does not have that. Yeah, it's it's. It's whether, how, why are we talking about a home court advantage? Oh, c- to, to, taking yeah. care of business. Yeah. Taking care of business against these. Ba- yeah. It's those sort of things. Winning. They got to win three of these four against the Suns, Hawks, Spurs, and Grizzlies, mm-hmm. I think. And then bigger picture, you got to be a team who wins at home. Yep. And 
like, I don't know. I, I was, I was talking to Henry, Henry Lake last night and sometimes games just present themselves that maybe didn't look like they were on the schedule of like a, this game was an op. This is a game we should for sure win, but it kind of presents itself as an opportunity for one reason or the other. Like, I did not think I, I thought the Wolves were going to lose both the games to the Jazz. We talked a week uh, talked a week ago. I'm like, Jazz Jazz are good. Mm-hmm. But then since then, I, I watched them play their, their before they played this back to back against the Wolves, and before they play they, they they played Memphis. So those are their last three games. The Jazz don't look good. No, the Jazz don't look special. They don't they don't look like Clippers. They just win. I know, but I'm saying those be. I agree with you. It became you. I, a missed yeah. opportunity. Yeah, because the Jazz are still figuring themselves out. Like they could have won those two games, and so am I, am I hanging the Wolves for splitting with the Jazz? Like no, but at the same time, that's an opportunity. You want to be a playoff team? Do you want to be a playoff team? I don't actually even know the answer to that. But if you do, th- those are those are the games you capitalize on. Denver comes in and they're super flat, mm-hmm. super flat that on, that, game. On, on that game, you know? And, and maybe some of those are, you're going to lose. And, and some games you're going to come out flat. They were flat against Houston. Yep. And that, it, and that it was them. weird to, to have them go one and one against the jazz though, which should, which is a win, like w- w- put it in a vacuum. That's better than I most agree. people would have expected, but it was weird to feel unsatisfied about it because the jazz looked sloppy and because they were in both games with a real chance to win. And so it was weird to feel unsatisfied with the split with a team like that. But I, I, I am rarely confident. And I, <laughs> I like if Rubio and Baines are both out, I am with you. I like the idea of the Timberwolves kind of wa- not walking through this game, but you know it being like a 13-point lead the whole way through. And I, w- I, I think there's a chance for it to be the first Towns and Wiggins. Like they've had a couple of 25-point uh-huh. games each, but they haven't really excelled they haven't on done the it same together. night. They've yep. done it together, 25 points. But it's like a cat 25-point game where you're like, he can do it in his sleep. Yeah, well, right. It's how it's kind of played out was cat was balling at the beginning of the season yep. before the fight. And Wiggins started slow. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he he lit up for that Miami thing. But those first three games in the Wolves are 3-0, like the Wiggins renaissance hadn't started. No. Really. No, not, no, he looked not very good. And But that's when Cat was going. And yep. then Wiggins starts going once Cat gets suspended. Yep. And and then now Wiggins is gone for personal reasons and for illness. And then Cat starts going again. Yeah. And now we're like, okay, you're both back. Yeah. Can we can we do that together? And I think the assumption is like, well, yeah, you know, Wiggins is back and Cat's really good. I, I think they will be able to put it together in conjunction with yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, But at the same time, not going to lie, I'm like, well, are they, were they having success because the other wasn't out there? Are they actually really meaningfully helping each other? I think the answer should be yes. I think that Andrew Wiggins, given how the Wolves – when they're optimally using cat should make it for easy, make yeah. for easy buckets for yeah. him. But at the same time, it's like, I want to see some of that. I guess I want to yeah. see some of that. I, I share the skepticism and I think there's evidence uh, for concern in that regard, but I don't buy it. I would say, I think that they, Carl Anthony Towns can obviously compliment Andrew Wiggins, make him a lot better player. But I think this version of Andrew Wiggins. Can Andrew Wiggins make Cat better? That's more my question. Exactly. And I do think this, if this version is here to stay, this version of the last 10 games, I, he's he's a, a real fine compliment for Carl Anthony Towns, I think. Yeah. And I would like for this Suns game to be a game where, especially if those key players are out, 
like Andrew Wiggins, go beat up on Devin Booker, Bridges, and Kelly Oubre. And like Carl Anthony Towns, go beat up on Czech Dial and Frank Kaminsky and Dario Saric. Like if you guys are eight and seven and you're, you know, kind of realizing the potential that everyone saw in you four years ago, like go into, go into Phoenix and just beat them. It's going to need for Cat. It's going to need to be a plow through the double team game mm-hmm. and not trust the pass. And I know he's kind of going through this whole existential crisis in his head of like, oh, am I supposed to do the right thing? And I'm getting doubled. I should pass. But when the two, that makes sense when it's Royce O'Neal and Gobert, you got to kick. Yeah. But if it's Frank Kaminsky and freaking Tyler Johnson or something, just eat. eat just, you got to yeah. push through it. And even if it's a two, three, I mean, or, or get to a little bit of. It's not normally that good of a look when you like spin baseline for a fadeaway, but your cat. Yeah. Like you can get that out of a double. As as the second guy's coming down, you see the second guy starting to chip in. Okay, you gotta read it. Yeah. You gotta read it before he's there. You can get a little step back into a 12-footer, something like that. Like he's gotta there are more ways that he could create from those situations, even if teams yeah. are honed in on him. So shoot 25 times. I mean, it it does start <laughs> to feel like there are times when he just like shoots everything and it can kind of start to feel like a lot. Felt like that in the fourth quarter for sure. Last jazz game. But like, fine. He, yeah. He made some of them. Like he, <laughs> True. he's that good. No one else was making anything like just shoot it when the ball touches your hands. If you have space, mm-hmm. Carl Anthony Towns It's I mean, especially when you're playing Rudy Gobert, but like anytime yeah. you're just so by far the best player on the team. You're one of the most efficient scorers in the whole league. Right. Shoot more. And a lot of that's on the team. Yes, but a lot of no, no, no. But it's good. We've kind of we've kind of hit both sides of it. How how do you think they're going to go about handling Booker? Travion Graham. It's just my guess. I would lo- I would love to say like they're just going to lock Josh Okogie on him and Covington, see how that goes. Covington, Covington. I just I, I'm just like basing it on the no, evidence. Man. I just it just seems like it's going to be Trevion Graham. Why not Covington? Well, I I would like to see it too, but rebounding. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I've already gone down that path a lot. Um, I think I think what what Sacramento did well against Booker was every non-big they switched everything. And they doubled him a lot too. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, they're, and and when it was a big like, and it was uh, when like Kaminsky was coming to set a screen, like Rashawn Holmes would get up all the way yep. to hedge there, and you be putting unless Booker's like kind of already on the move. And he can come through and split that or, you know, just be a step ahead of you. Like, that was good. They, they did a good job of kind of getting it out of his hands to some degree and, you know, pushing him away from, you know, getting, you know, getting into the bucket. And Booker's kind of got that, like, baby face. But but he, he's got a little bully to him. Oh, yeah. When he gets, like, one, one guy on him. And I'm trying to – it was – again, I, I guess this is still happening where I turn on an NBA game and I don't know a player. <laughs> um who was the, it? The James for uh, for Sacramento. Apparently, I looked him up. He played four years at like Montana or something. Oh, okay. And he was yeah. and he was guarding. And so he's some rookie. Yeah. And Booker's like, he just kind of took him and you know gave him a shoulder and then he says, "We'll step back for like ten footer over and over again." Again, to when we were giving credit to those wings, like you're not pushing Trevion Graham off of his spot mm-hmm. if he's he's strong, mm-hmm. as is a Kogi and as you know as is Covington if he's he's in that situation. So. I feel like they should be able to handle Devin Booker just in those one-on-one isolated situations. Yeah. My natural concern is to go to the evidence of Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo yeah, Russell, yeah. Bradley Beal, and James Harden and well, be like, 
Well, what are the odds they're going to do any of that hard hedging or any of that doubling? Like, I know. It seems low, but it seems like that's how you defend a guy like Devin Booker. I guess they're just choosing to be beat by something else. Yeah. And what what the Kings were willing to, to give up was prioritizing Booker, and Booker would find some nice skip passes to Cam Johnson, a shooter the Wolves drafted. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, who was like open for that, but but they didn't. They prioritized slowing down Booker, and I think if the Wolves are playing a shorthanded Booker, you make adjustments to, for sure. You know, make switch all those on the wing one through four. They can they can do that. And with Cat, I mean, you're gonna he's gonna have to rise up to defend a little bit. Maybe you're not blitzing it, but he's he's gonna have to show because Booker's game is plenty like DeAndre Russell's. Yeah, where if you drop if you do drop Cat back. He's just going to come in and, and he's going to get rolling from 16 feet mm-hmm. and you're going to be in trouble. And that's, I guess that's how you lose this game. Yeah. So if I'm thinking about coaching, I'm like, well, you know, like the, the classic adage of like, make someone else beat you. Yep. What, like, if it isn't Devin Booker that beats them, who is it? Kelly Oubre? Yeah, it's Kelly Oubre and like some random Tyler Johnson game or like Cam yeah. Johnson hits six threes or like... Yeah, Whatever. it's probably the threes thing. Dario. I just, <laughs> I'll take, I'll roll the dice Yeah, there. no, no, exactly. It's like all these teams saying, like, make anyone but Carl Anthony Towns beat you. Mm-hmm. I mean, great. If if Trevion Graham and Jeff Teague and Andrew Wiggins beat us, the Utah Jazz are saying. More I think about it, Rubio's going to be, Rubio's status in that game will be important. Mm-hmm. Because cause I do think the Wolves will be able to do a decent amount to scheme Booker out if if he's the primary. If he's, yeah, if Rubio isn't in there. Yeah. Um, but if Rubio's in there, you know, I mean, he's, we know this. We know what he's good at is being able to read that and and you kind of counterpunch whatever one team is yeah. over-pursuing. So that'll that'll probably be the the needle mover in, in that game. Are you, where are you at with just Phoenix in this playoffs? Is this, like, as a playoff team, is this real? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm in a similar spot to where I am with the wolves hmm. real, like real, like, do I think they're going to make the playoffs? I wouldn't bet money on either of them making the playoffs, but real, like they've outperformed and they're a real solid competitive team more so than anyone expected. I buy it for both of them. Okay. So on the spot, sorry, that's fine. Um, I like it. <laughs> so, so the way I'm seeing it is we got six Western conference playoffs team playoff teams right now. The Lakers are twelve and two. The Nuggets are ten and three. The Rockets are eleven and four. The Clippers are ten and five. The Mavs are nine and five, and the Jazz are nine and five. Yep, I see all six of those teams. Then it's this big cluster, mm-hmm. and then it's the Warriors. <laughs> so take them out for sure. But the Blazers and the Spurs are low. They're five and ten. That's crazy. <laughs> so. That's why I think that's why when you look at a site like 538 and it says the Wolves have a 75% chance of making the playoffs because of that, it's, I think it's, I, I should say, I don't know how that <laughs> formula works, but it seems when I see that they're saying Portland has like a 10% chance of making the playoffs, I'm like, well, that's too low for me. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to make their chance that low, like somebody's has to be higher. So are you with me that it's those six? Yeah. Yeah. I buy that. Yeah. Um, and then if you had to pick right now who the seven and eight seeds are. Oh, wow. That is tough. It's hard, man. I was looking at this earlier. I'm like, who, who, who do you it's, – it's, it's actually hard to put a team ahead of the Wolves. It actually is. And it's also kind of hard to put the Wolves ahead of some of these teams. Like I know. It's, it's a weird bubble. I, I would put the – I think the Blazers would I was The Blazers were going to be the first one that I'd say. And I, 
I kind of still see a Pelicans run. Yep, I totally would. I have to. Is that who you? Yeah, th- yeah, those are kind of like that. That Pelicans team just should be freaky. Like, especially if they're fully healthy. But I'm a, every time I turn them on to watch, there's so they're playing such weird people. Such weird people. I mean, it, it's everyone's everyone's hurt. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So we are only a what is it a sixth of the season now or eighth of the season? Yeah, yeah about that. Like so th- so there's plenty of time for for a team like the Blazers to you know turn this five and ten into a ten and five or mm-hmm. twelve and three. You know, over the next the the next fifteen, and I, I I do think that will happen. But it is, I, I think it, it, it seems crazy to say, but I think it's true that the Wolves are objectively in oh, yeah. the playoff hunt. Yeah. And and that's like, you come back from all of the like nitpicking and all of the like, I know, that's like literally what I was saying. Yeah. I, I paused and I'm like, after I just basically bagged on yeah. all this. Well, you're like, it's weird, like all this nitpicking and like things do seem to be like some little things going wrong. And like, there are things to complain about, but like, man, if you would have told me they were going to be eight and seven after 15 games, I would not have believed you. Right. And, and given how the West, a lot of these teams have fallen. I mean, the Warriors are out. Yeah. Like there's, there, there are holes to be had. And I think that's, it's what makes this intriguing. I think it's why we're choosing to nitpick more because if some of those nits, you know, turn green. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a playoff team. It's a playoff team. Yeah. That, that, I guess that's why I'm thinking about it. And, and it's why it's, why it's bothering me that cats kicking out to guys yeah. who can't hit a three and he has zero assists. It's true. Like we wouldn't be nitpicking if they were two and 12, we'd be talking about who, <laughs> who knows. We what. would be talking about the system, the system and, and the yeah. long term, And like, imagine mm-hmm. how many triple doubles cat could have if there were shooters around him. E- exactly. Like, yeah. It'd be too, like much more big picture, but yeah. But it's they're, more they're kind of in it. They're yeah. kind of in it right now, and like it's fun, man. We'll have plenty of time. I mean, there's plenty of off season, all that. Like, we're not getting crazy about winning a playoff series or anything <laughs> like that. Like, no. But they're they're in the mix for the playoffs, and that means that the stuff that's happening on the margins right yeah. now carries merit. And if we want to get way ahead of ourselves, if they are a playoff team, that's like a seven eight seed facing off against like a one two seed. Call it the Lakers Clippers. I will have weirdly more confidence in their ability to steal one or two games than I did when the Wolves were playing the Rockets simply because of that idea of the math problem. Mm. They no longer have that, like, we just can't Can't. compete with these teams that shoot threes. Like, they have the volatility in their game to steal a game just because they're hot and they shoot 45 threes. And that's kind of fun. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think. But it's worth. But I like that. In the in the whatever the percentage chance that they do, yeah. that's in there. Yeah. That's in there. And that is a it's a point for the system. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, as we've as we highlighted the the, the minuses. Drink. <laughs> Drink. Um, all right. Uh, that is that'll be our show for today. I'm actually going to uh, Atlanta for the Wolves game nice. um, against the Hawks on on Monday. So I will have a podcast from there. Hopefully, uh, with another cool guest, we'll we'll see how that Ooh, all. Tease. Tease. <laughs> we'll see how that uh, how that all comes together. But um, that will be sorry Thanksgiving week, and uh, that's the only podcast I will promise for for next week. I'm going to be out of town for Thanksgiving, and I'm you too. You could like, Thursday is Thanksgiving. Thursday right? is Thanksgiving, <laughs> yeah. so I would. We'll be m- back at some point. We'll be we'll be back the following week. I might drop something on Wednesday, but for sure. Uh, 
look for that on Sunday, Monday when I'm in Atlanta. I think that will be a cool podcast. I hope. I do too. <laughs> Nothing's locked in. <laughs> so we'll see. That's uh, that's Charlie Johnson. I am at Dane Moore. You can follow him at C Johns MBA. I'm at Dane Moore MBA. The Wolves are eight and seven. Basketball is fun. Until next time, peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.